Hey, hey, it's the Fred Carger Memorial Lump Podcast. Hey, is this thing on? Yeah, alright. Uh, so, uh, I am Phil, and to my left uh, is... Uh, my name's Carl. And uh, this is our first Fred Carger Memorial Lump Band podcast ever. And this is a really exciting uh, venture for us, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we're going to enjoy making it. Uh, So Carl and I thought for our first podcast, we just, there's never been a real uh, comprehensive history of the band, and we'd like to kind of talk about that. Um, So Carl... uh, just uh, let's talk about kind of how we met, like right. back in the day. It's an interesting story, right? Yeah. So, um, all right. So at the time, I was living in uh, Munich, and I was at this airport, and uh, I was on my way to. Um, man, where was I going? Do you? It was like a, some kind of convention. It was a convention. Yeah. Um, what, what What country was that? And that was in. Uh, it was in it was in Belgium. Belgium, that's right. It was in Belgium. You were in Brussels, and you flew back into to Munich. And I was there because I was um, for my for my degree in uh, in mycology. I was studying um, the elusive uh, Munich magic mushroom. Not magic um. mushroom in the psychedelic sense. This mushroom. Um, is possessed only by fairies, right? And right. it grants the consumer of the mushroom certain fairy powers. And uh, I, I wasn't able to track down any of these mushrooms while I was there, and I was just kind of discouraged in this Munich airport coffee shop. And uh, Carl comes up to me and says, "What did you What did you say?" I said, "Have you heard about Reiner uh, Maria Rilke?" Have you, oh, heard right. of, uh, have you heard of this this person? I'm looking for them. And you said... Uh, he's dead. Right, right. And that's... Oh, that was... That was a discovery for me. It was... It was definitely... Because it yeah. was a uh, poetry convention you went to... Yeah. ...in Belgium, and yet you didn't know that this, this great poet had been dead a hundred years. Well, see, the thing about that is I knew nothing of poetry when I went to the convention. I was just hoping to learn some things, and as... As... I guess, as I know it now, what had happened was, at the very end, um, somebody played a, 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 a prank on me asking me to find Reiner and um turns out um he has been long dead so are you sure they weren't asking about a <laughs> Rob Reiner <laughs> uh just a little uh, just a little film humor I <laughs> uh, see yeah. Car- Carl's all about he knows a thing or two about poetry now I've always been always been more of a film film guy yeah I, uh... the Reiners man you got Carl you got Rob they both directed films yeah, um, film. But then we were uh, sitting in this airport, and I, I told Carl that the poet he was looking for was uh, was dead. And uh, to, to be fair, I did not know they were a poet. I it just I thought it was a coincidence. Or is that the right? I 
I don't want to talk about it anymore. But anyways, okay, as you were saying. Moving on, uh, I said, yeah, I just said he was dead, and Carl was dejected. Then we both looked dejected, and we just, we sat in this in this coffee shop for a few for a few minutes, just kind of staring off into space, and I asked him the fateful question, uh, do you like music? And that's when I said, oh, that is all I said, and that's when we, uh, that's, you know, it feels like right after, right after Phil asked me that, we were already recording our first album. Uh, yeah, we flew back to my old house in, in Austin, Texas, because uh, um, Carl was going back, well, not back to Austin, because he wasn't, but he he was going to Austin. I, I was going back to Austin. Why why were you going to, to Austin? See, there was, um, my friend called me up and asked me if I wanted to go down to Austin to look at rivers. Because he said at that time of year, which was about July, June, July, he said that the rivers uh, looked very gross and to please look at them, please. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll try and find my way to these Austin rivers. And, you know, as it, it, it all worked out. It, all yeah, worked it out. was just a succession of very lucky events. So we ended up. At my old place in Austin, which was about as gross as those rivers at that time of year. And we just, uh, all Carl had on him was this, like, kind of fun size acoustic guitar for kids. And I just had my, my old beat up acoustic and we just, we sat down. It's, it's pretty embarrassing. We have a, uh, you know, there's a reason we have that, a separate Bandcamp page. And that reason is because we forgot the password to that. It's, it has nothing to do with the album, but, uh, the album's real bad, uh, but it was inspired by uh, uh, Reiner Maria Rilke's poetry because we uh, I ended up buying a, a book of that poetry in Munich, and uh, Carl and I took turns reading it on the plane. Carl was like, it, it really sucks that this guy is, is dead because I like his poems a lot. And what did you say? You wanted to tell him that? You wanted to tell yeah, him that? Yeah, I, I wanted to... Um... To uh, to Facebook him about it, but um, as he was dead and very long dead, I doubt he has or had or ever had a Facebook. So I didn't get the the opportunity to Facebook message him about his poetry. But someday I think maybe we could do that. Yeah, maybe in uh, in uh, in hell because you're going to you're going to hell. But uh. There. There's there's Facebook there. See, so, yeah, I'm I'm not much of a Facebook guy. That's the uh, that's the joke there. But anyway, so we uh, we uh, ended up in Austin recording this kind of concept album of sorts about Reiner Maria, and he probably span a hundred times and is spun a hundred times. And the span of our album recording, he spun a hundred times in his grave. There we go. Because uh, it, it's not a good album, folks. It's not. I. I mean, I was. I was very convinced at the time that he um, knew how to play. Um, what do you call it? Maybe a washboard. Uh, maybe a, perhaps a banjo. One of those, and uh, that his friends would call him uh, eighty-eight fingers Edward. It was the uh, the lap steel lap guitar, steel, right? Which we actually didn't use until several albums later. But uh, we'll get to that. Uh, so that's why we named the album Eighty-Eight Fingers Edward. Yes, because uh, Edward was his 
nickname. Reiner Maria's nickname. Reiner Maria Edward Rilke. I, you know, it's it's strange uh, that that wasn't actually true, as we found out later. And that's that's part of the reason why we don't... Um, uh, that album isn't good. Um, but the other reason that the album isn't good is because it isn't good. So that's why we have shunned our first album. But to move on to um, to happier times, we... Uh, yeah, um, about... Gosh, how long was this? Almost a, a year later? Yes, this was... This did seem to be about a year a year ago. Uh, today it is November 18th. Mm-hmm. November 18th, 2012. Our next release... I believe, let me check, let me check really quick. Our next release, I believe, was um, Al Gore Shot LBJ, which was released November 23rd, 2011, almost one year ago. And uh, Al Gore Shot LBJ, it's uh, it's quite different. Oh, actually, never mind. Um, Our, actually, our, our, um, before that, we did a one-hour single called Blister Dump. Uh, that was done more than a year ago. That was November 4th. I would like to talk about that, uh, the one-hour singles project. It was uh, curated by this guy, uh, Tedward. And Tedward is a... Uh, no relation to Edward Rilke. Um, Tedward is a really interesting guy. Uh, he... Uh, he has these concepts he does... Uh, he found out that there was a person who kind of shared his stage name. It's a guy who does, like, crazy fire performance at Burning Man. So he did a an album. It was an instrumental MIDI record, like many of his records, but it was about fire performance, he said. Um, and so One Hour Singles was... Uh, it was all digital. We we have never pressed any of the this, this singles to vinyl, so they're not, they're not quite singles. But it was like you had side A and side B of a record, like one song each. You had an hour to write and record those two songs, and uh, we we went to this uh, this meat locker in uh, Fredericksburg, and we we did this album. Uh, it was freezing in there, so um, and that uh, we were we were just recording on an iPhone, as we would many, many times, and the the phone was incredibly damaged by the cold, so the album is, or the single, rather, is not great. Uh, and it's called Blister Dump, uh, and that, that title, uh, kind of like hemorrhoids, you know, you get hemorrhoids on, on your ass, and uh, when you, when you take a dump, it's like when you, like, I got a blister right now, and if I squeeze this thing too hard, it hurts like hell. So, like, forcing some turds out when you got hemorrhoids, it's kind of like a blister dump. But anyway, let's, uh... Carl, you want to talk about Al Gore, shot LBJ? Right. That was our first, like, high-concept record. You know, Tedward had the concept before. Now we're bringing in the, the concept. The the Reiner Maria Rilke record, that's not high-concept. That's low-concept. That's just having a concept and... and fucking it up basically but Al Gore it's different right so um I I feel the talk about um our first album that uh we really don't shun Al Gore shot LBJ I think we need to kind of uh explain our name a little bit okay and how we got it 
Uh, right. Um, the the Fred Carter Memorial Lump Band. Uh, Fred Carter is a gay Republican uh, politician, a, a log cabin Republican where the penis is the log and the asshole is the cabin, as we like to say. Of course. Uh, but, uh, I, we, do you want to talk about, about Fred Carger? You're always so much more articulate about. Um, Fred Carger, um, we met Fred Carger on the way to Austin. This is how, um, this is how the, the, uh, band name came to be. Uh, we were on our, we were on our way to Austin, as we explained earlier, uh, right before we recorded, um, our shameful first album, and we actually got into a head-on collision with Fred Carter's car, and he he stepped out and explained. And he was like, "Hey, I you know I can't I can't um I can't report this to the police. I you know I'm I'm um, I'm having some some troubles with my campaign right now." And we're like, "Oh, what? Who?" And he explained who he was and that he was running for president. Um, yeah, he's Fred Carter. He's a gay Republican, and he said, "All right, okay, I I'm sorry, but I I you know I can't I can't report this to the police. I, I'm sorry, you guys, you can't you can't report this collision to the police. It's best that we just drive away, and and forget this happened." And Phil and I said, "No," and that's when um, two bodyguards came up out of nowhere like they didn't even come from the car i don't even know why they were there but i guess uh carter called them no they were on a bus right behind fred carter's right okay they just it was a it was pure coincidence there was this bus it was taking people to a casino oh yeah um not in austin like it, it was it was taking them from Somewhere in Mexico, up to Oklahoma, to go gamble, okay. and they were passing through Austin, and these bodyguards just happened to be on that bus, and they noticed what had happened. And you know, Fred Carger has not had much political success, of course, but he uh, he does look very politicianly. So they instinctually kind of came up, and then what happened? Well, see, man, I, I always forget that detail, and it makes makes this next part very strange. Um, Next thing we know, we we both wake up and uh, we've been tied to chairs, and Carger is is pacing back and forth in front of us and asking questions that we can't really understand. He's being he's being very very loud and he's asking many things from us and we're not really sure what's going on. But uh, part of that is uh, Fred Carger is fluent in Elvish, and when he gets that's actually his first language. When he gets upset, he speaks in in Elvglish, which is this really awful it's kind of like spanglish but it's elvish elvish and english and it's very very difficult to understand even for someone also fluent in elvish like myself i was having a very hard time deciphering him and and poor carl i mean nothing i yeah i've never i've never uh taken a an elvish class so i nothing there um so he uh i i used to have a man called uh uh, Elvish Presley, and we would do covers of Elvis Presley songs in Elvish. You know that oh, that yeah. makes sense. That's why the band yeah. was called that. And so I had to learn the language. Uh, but Carl never had that experience. Yeah. So um, 
he he eventually started making some sense, and he told us his um, he he pointed at his breasts and he said memorial lumps, memorial lumps, memorial lumps, memorial lumps, memorial lumps. And then that's when I passed out. I'm not sure how much longer uh, Phil was was awake. About two more hours, and he continued repeating the phrase during that time. Okay, right. For the duration of the two hours. Okay, and uh, I I eventually woke up again, and it really was like it never happened. It's, you know, he really did not want us going to the cops over that collision. He he managed to transport us to... uh, the the uh, old house that you were staying at in Austin. We managed to, to somehow be transported there, and we looked at each other, and we said, Fred Carger Memorial Lump. Fred Carger Memorial Lump. And that's... And that's basic... There's, there is another reason why we're called the Fred Carger Memorial Lump Band, but that is... That is definitely the the big reason why we call ourselves the Fred Carter Memorial Lump Band. And I, I'd like to clarify the name is not an endorsement. Uh, we were very traumatized by that encounter with Fred Carter. And um, as people who, who ourselves are involved in, in queer politics, we do not like what Fred Carter stands for as a Republican and... It was very creepy to watch him touch his breasts and repeat memorial lump for two hours. I, I don't know if he if he has if he had breast cancer at one point and that's why he was talking about lumps. I, I don't I don't know. It was very scary and to deal with to deal with kind of our our fear of him, we, we named the band that uh, standing up to the oppressor, as it were. Yeah. Um if you if Fred Carger chooses to run for president again, we we caution you, please do not vote for him. Please, please do not vote for him. Uh, we would like to en- endorse instead for 2016 um, a grilled cheese sandwich. Yes. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Let's, let's talk Let's talk first so, real album. All right, so we get to our first real album, Al Gore shot LBJ. By this time, we had relocated to the uh, Dallas area. Yes, where we now reside, and um, this is this is where uh, phase one of the Fred Carter Memorial Lump Band uh, really starts. Um, we were um, we were using a lot of unplugged electric guitar, um, and uh, I I didn't have um, much of a speaking role yet in the band uh, after some bad experiences with some outtakes on a. Um, our first album, and so this uh, this first album, I believe, is all all Phil. Um, I believe so. Speaking, yes, right. Um, and we, um, yeah, we just it's uh, it's eleven it's eleven songs. Uh, a couple are uh, a couple are uh, little medleys, I guess not not a, not necessarily medleys, but uh, I just I like devo- I like being very literal with how how the songs were split up as as they moved from part to part. They weren't necessarily medleys, but I would kind of designate that there were two specific parts to the song because at this point uh, it was it was pure improvisation, and I thought kind of letting the listener know that we had moved to this different place in the improvisation that would give them kind of a foothold. 
Um, but yeah, we at this point we were making up all the music, um, pretty much exclusively on unplugged electric guitar. The reason for that is um, at the time, the reason it was unplugged is at the time uh, I had lost my acoustic, and uh, uh, Phil had had misplaced or I'm Phil for fuck's sake. Uh, I Phil had lost my acoustic, and and Carl had misplaced his as well, um, and uh, so and then only Carl had an electric guitar amplifier, and so we were like we we don't want uh, any inequities in in volume, right. and so we both decided to to go unplugged. We were inspired by uh, this album by uh, by Ryan Peak. Uh, from Nickelback, he did a very, very obscure solo album in about 1998 of just unplugged electric guitar solos, and it's phenomenal. It's nothing. It's nothing like his his usual playing. It's it's uh, like a mixture of of uh, Eugene Chadbourne and and uh, Tom Verlaine. Uh, it's great stuff, and so uh, we were just like, you know, if Ryan Peak from Nickelback can make this bold decision to go unplugged electric then we can too so yeah we uh recorded Al Gore shot LBJ and it's a it's a concept album about Al Gore and LBJ um LBJ uh former president Al Gore uh he was uh vice president vice president right and uh a president he was uh, a potential yeah, he was a presidential candidate, and he, uh, uh, we don't want to get too political and say, you know, that Al Gore actually won the 2000 election, or, or he didn't win, you know, we don't have a, a side in that. I think, actually, a, um, my friend Angus's goat, I think, actually won the 2000 election, but I'm not gonna get on my soapbox here. That's... Yeah, um, the the story of the hanging chads and Angus's goat is actually in this children's book that I'm putting out in 2013. So you will hear all about that, um, and your kid your kids will hear all about that, and then they will tell you probably in very unarticulate terms because kids are stupid, but they will tell you about Angus and his goat. Uh, but let's we keep getting sidetracked. Uh, what? Tell us the story of the of the album, Carl. How did? Oh right. Uh, so on Al Gore shot LBJ. Um, we follow Al Gore um, as he uh, transcends time and space. Sort of um, like Slaughterhouse Five. A, a very, we were very inspired by Slaughterhouse Five in in the story for this album. Uh, Al Gore. Um, he. Um, you know he's a man, man. It's 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 very hard for me even to decipher it. I I, I will say I did not play a, a huge part in the story. Um, I was using a, a lot of um, drain cleaner at the time, and that affected the lyrics. It's not very comprehensible. Let's talk about our next EP. So our next EP is the uh, FKMLB. EP, uh, which continues our uh, unplugged guitar um, aesthetic. I believe he branched out a bit. There's some clarinet and a little a little jug playing, and Carl does his first vocal. I, I do uh, do vocals on the last song, uh, Shit, Fuck, Pee Pee Boners. Uh, 
It was a landmark moment. Yes, um, but we did we didn't uh, come back to vocals for me for for a little while. Th- that EP is pretty forgettable. Let's move on. All right. Uh, after that is when we hit, I think our first uh, our first watermark with uh, the album. The album. The, the album. The album. We were originally going to call it a album, but you see that scratched out on the cover. We were like, this isn't just a album. That's grammatically incorrect anyway. This is the album. Yes. And we wanted to emphasize. Uh, we did this at uh, Carl's old... We did it at his, uh, his parents' place, actually. We were we were out there. Um, really awful place. Uh, small town, Texas place. Just horrible. And uh, we were very proud of this album that we did there. Yeah, it's it was definitely the point where we 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 recognized that um, you know we we're called the Fred Carter Memorial Lump Band and you know we need to kind of make a, you know kind of a statement about Fred Carter and and the awful man that he is. I just I, I read his his Wikipedia page on the toilet over some unplugged electric guitar and I think it's one of the spookiest things in our catalog. That's that's how we begin the album. It's it's a haunter. I wanted it to, to shake people up the way Fred Carger shook me up when he shook me in the interrogation room until I passed out. I don't want our listeners to pass out, but I want them to metaphorically pass out. Uh, as well, to, to kind of uh, capture that, we it's, it's a very, uh, very twist and turn, not, not unlike a roller coaster. We have segments on this album uh, of piano and vocals... And then that'll shift suddenly to a a full electric guitar and drum yeah. jam amplified. Amplified. Ele- I think this is our first amplified electric guitar. Our first recording of amplified electric guitar. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, those songs. There's a lot I, of incorrect. Incorrect. Our uh, our blister dump one hour single. Did oh right, right. Yes, that's that's true. Did but uh, that. this was this was our first use of the amplified electric guitar for aesthetic purposes i think because right. uh the, there's a lot there's a lot of clipping of the, of the guitar and the, and the bass drum on those recordings because we wanted it to kind of reflect how loud fred Carger had yelled at us in, in elvish we wanted it to be very unpleasant the song uh penis prison mm-hmm. which is what we our term for the interrogation room actually was penis prison because right. Fred Carter was naked and erect the whole time that he was interrogating us. I didn't want to mention that, but yeah, yes, he it, was. I, I don't like to think about it either. He he has a very strange penis. It's horseshoe shaped, and it's it's not okay. It's really not. It looks like it's made out of clay. But um, so penis prison shifts abruptly into this kind of pure noise and uh, just catching the abject. Terror, but then there are there are more lighthearted songs. There's the Southern Strategy, one of mm-hmm. my favorites. Uh, this is the, one of our first uh, songs that really delved into Come. Right. Yeah. Um, we we did have a couple mentions of Come, I think, in the past, but I think that was that was definitely a turning point in 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 our in our discussion of Come. That's it's got some great lines, and it's um, it's uh, really to me seems a uh, to be a tribute to uh, Charles Gachet, but I, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I do have a lot of respect for Charles Gachet. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, he was the drummer for an Arizona outfit called the Sun City Girls. He could play everything. He could play 
uh, like uh, bebop jazz. He could play gamelan, but he had a wicked sense of humor, and he would often skewer politicians with brilliant non sequiturs and, and obscenity um, on the landmark Sun City Girls album, Horsecock Fetner, uh, which uh, we, like we have often tried to live up to, but never quite made it. Um, that's probably him at his peak, as well as Dante's Disneyland Inferno. We uh, never quite scaled those majestic heights, but uh, yeah, the Southern strategy is definitely creeping into Gaucher territory. And uh, another influence was actually Avril Lavigne. Mm-hmm. Nothing about her music or her persona, really, just the her aura. Yeah, definitely, definitely her aura. Um, we end the we end the album. <laughs> that's a that's a reference to the fact that it's an album, and it's also the name of uh, the album. <laughs> the album, right? Um, we end it with actually what is <laughs> a uh, uh, <laughs> we end it with a uh, an actual live performance that we had. Um, it was to um, two people. Yes, uh, uh, one clapped. Uh, the other was a dog. The other actually. was a dog. It was Carl's old dog, um, Bert. Bert, yes. Bert was a um, sheepdog. Yes. And Bert was asleep during the performance and right. thus was unable to clap. Mm-hmm. But yes, we ended we ended uh, the album. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a... Uh, that's a... We, we ended it <laughs> with, a, with a live track uh, called Blast of Noise and uh, at the end you can hear our one audience member clapping. And, uh, uh, his name was... Um, his name was... Uh, God damn it, what was his name? Oh, uh, Morona. Morona, yeah. Very interesting name. I think he was Italian. Uh, we haven't seen him again. Yeah, Morona Vespucci was... He, he was our first fan and he kind of jumped ship after that release yeah. and... Uh, we think he moved to Ecuador, mm-hmm. but we have no proof of that other than um, an underpants stain that he left behind that pointed in the direction of Ecuador. Right, right. We we spent a while deciphering it, and we eventually we eventually tracked it down, and we think it was pointing at Ecuador, but that's you know needle in a haystack. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, uh, Morona, if you're out there, uh, please come back, buddy. We, uh, we need somebody to clap for us. Yeah. Um, so after that, uh, after those, those, uh, streak of releases in November, um, we, we recorded some more, um, but, uh, it was a while before we released them. Uh, it was, um, a time of a lot of turmoil. I had, uh, moved into a new place um only to discover that it was actually an ant colony and that took a while to sort out although thank god i befriended the queen so that that helped me out a lot uh oh definitely um so our first of these kind of uh archival almost releases almost, uh, was one called, uh, Scrota, I believe. I believe Scrota is technically the first one. Uh, Scrota was, was recorded, um, in December 2011, and, uh, this is when we, we, um, we continued our, our amplified sound, um, with 
Phil playing bass. Mm, I think, was this the first time we used bass? Yes, this I believe this was the, yes, it was the first time we used bass. Yeah, because uh, in many ways, I, well, first and foremost, I'm a hurdy-gurdy player. But after that, I'm a bass player. Only then, after that, am I a sitar player, and then I'm a spoons player, and a recorder player, and a martial arts expert, and an amateur oral hygienist, and then a guitar player. Right. So I, I chose to play bass for this record yeah. to reflect that. I mean, I myself am a English horn player, but I have not been able to find one in 12 years. So when I saw a clarinet and it looked almost kind of similar, I picked it up and it was very, very different, but I played it anyways. And now that's my primary instrument with my second one being the headphones and the third being guitar. So on this record, uh, Scrota, which we recorded in December, but did not release till um, March or April, June actually. Oh wow, June. We we had a big gap here. Um, June. We um, I I played guitar on it, and uh, it's I'm 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 quite fond of this of this one though. I I think you said you weren't the biggest fan. No, I, I really I'm a I'm a much bigger fan. Of... Of the one of the sort of archival releases that that followed, um, understandable but for very personal reasons. I just don't like my my lyrics on on Scrota. I don't think they were up to par. Um, it's the first time I considered doing alternate takes. I don't think we did, but that was I, I was usually much more confident in my lyrics. You know, the the first take. Uh, whereas on this one, I just wasn't so sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you know we all prefer, prefer albums for, uh, for you know what we did on them. I mean, I thought my guitar, I, I thought I came up with some good lines on that one, and that's why I hold that one to something. But it's you know we all have our reasons. Yeah. So, um, uh, and then the next one is uh, instrumentals. Instrumentals is one that I hold very near and dear. Um, this was. In a way, this is where we first really branched out. I uh, I heard this this incredible band, uh, this duo uh, from from McKinney, out where I was living at the time, McKinney, Texas. It's about an hour uh, north uh, northeast of Dallas, um, and. This band, was two guys, they never performed live. What a shame. Uh, Your Durned Axe. Phenomenal stuff. Phenomenal band. Um, it was just kind of two guys doing whatever the hell they wanted. And uh, I actually, uh, I, I emailed their, uh, their kind of... Front man of sorts, Tony Bob Dorito, not his real name. Uh, I, I asked him about what kind of equipment he used, and we actually used exactly the same equipment to make instrumentals. Yes, as sort of a tribute. Um, and there's definitely that 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 classic Yardardax vibe. Uh, and uh, we we once again used the bass. Once again, it was all. Wasn't exactly amplified, but it, it, it was a, a direct input, so uh, no kind of unplugged sound. 
Um, and this was actually when we first used the lap steel. It, it was. Um, and Reiner Maria stopped rolling in his grave for a bit. Yep. So you heard the beautiful sounds of, of the lap steel. Um, Carl is a, will never admit this, but he is a, a master uh, uh, of the lap steel. Um, maybe not quite 88 fingers, but 85, 86. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always thought of myself as 40, but you know, it's 40 fingers. We all, uh, we I, all I mean, that's see ourselves. 10 times, or no, it's not 10 times what I got. It's 10 times what I got on each hand because of, a, of an accident. But, uh, it's it's a uh, it's a it's, I'm not I've never been good at math. Yeah, instrumentals is a uh, it may be a little bit challenging. It's it was at the time our longest release. Uh, oh well, it's about to not be. I think to date it still is, but that's about to change. Well, actually, you know, you're I think you're forgetting uh, two releases that I'll I'll need to. I need to pull up our SoundCloud releases, which we'll get to uh, later. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, I believe instrumentals is longer than those. Okay, I think it clocks in at a, at about. Although, okay, so there was originally a percussion piece on there, and I can't remember if that if that brought the the instrumentals release from about. 30 odd minutes to 40 odd or 40 odd minutes to 50 odd if it's the former then one of our soundcloud releases may very well be lengthier but it it, it doesn't matter instrumentals was to date our longest record and very very dense lots of very fast-paced improvisation um we took out the percussion piece because it was very kind of almost glacially slow compared to in terms of development not in terms of tempo compared to the other things on the record uh this was the instrumental was also the first time i played keyboard which uh and we used the same keyboard that uh that uh tony bob dorito used for your known acts he actually let us borrow it because uh, it's an expensive keyboard and uh i tried my damnedest to to play like he does and uh didn't quite succeed but you know we we try our hardest. Yeah, and we paired that with the lap steel. It was some of I think our our greatest songs to this day. Yeah. So uh, the album begins with a, a couple of tracks with Phil on guitar and myself on bass, um, and then we switch for uh, a few more, and then the last few tracks, uh, Phil is on the keyboard and I play the lap steel, and uh, there's there's gems all over. There's there's Ass Dad. It's a great one. With uh, myself on guitar and Phil on bass. Um, let's see which is it? Tyler Perry's "Who Are You?" That one is that one. I believe. And uh, beef jerky discovered on Phobos is. Right. Uh, we really wanted to make it sound like uh, some beef jerky being on a Martian moon. What that would sound like if it could play keyboard and, and lap steel. Right. So instrumentals. It was a. Uh, great time after that um ah my first real political record yes um, uh, you allowed me to indulge gerald ford 1976 now i've always been a big fan of vice presidents um the shrine to joe biden in my closet will attest to that and gerald ford was a vice president who became president because the president that he was vice president of richard milhouse Nixon uh, resigned 
And so I, I just hold a lot of uh, fascination with with Gerald Ford, and I just wanted to explore him in some kind of absurd scenarios. I, I draw a parallel between him and his portrayal on some of the earliest Saturday Night Live episodes. Um, I imagine him um, in all sorts of grotesque sexual scenarios. I don't want to have sex with Gerald Ford, but I did write this album. Uh, this was sort of, was this kind of a return to the unplugged electric? I, th- I think it was. I think it was. This was recorded in March, uh, slowly closing the gap on the archival releases we had in June. Um, but yeah, this was recorded in March, and I believe it was indeed recorded on unplugged electric guitars. Back back on the iPhone. Yeah, uh, no more no more your Dex equipment. Right. Uh, this was uh, very. I I don't know. I I don't think. Uh, again, with the how we each see the albums, I don't think Carl's as big a fan of this one. As I am, but I, I think it's fantastic. I, I think there are moments that I, I certainly enjoy on it, but uh, that's that's for you to decide, people. <laughs> Just, uh, please, 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 let me know what you think of Gerald Ford, nineteen seventy six. Right, and I think is this um, with the end of those three archival releases in June? Is this where Phase One ends? Uh, what's the next record? The next record we did was Bisky's Big Day. Now, Bisky's Big Day is the culmination of Phase One. It is oh, okay. everything we have done to that point encapsulated. Okay. Um, Bisky's Big Day. Wow, this was a uh, which is more Carl's baby, and then I sort of forced him into doing it. But uh, so why don't you talk about Bisky? All right. So um, to kind of explain. Um, so our first song on our first album is called Fred Durst. Uh, Fred Durst has been a topic that we... Uh, to clarify, this is on our first shameful... First shameful album, yes. Our There's real a... first album. Right, uh, so on... So we... The first track is called Fred Durst, and, and ever since then we've always kind of had a, um... Kind of, uh... Kind of... Not necessarily obsession. We we didn't really talk about Fred Durst that much in in those days. But uh, Fred Durst, the uh, lead vocalist and uh, singer of Limp Biscuit, um, occasional guitar player, occasional guitar player, um, Fred Durst. We um, we had heard this interview with um, this band called the the Mevlins. I believe they're called like the Kelvins, like the, the Kelvin, like the temperature. Right. Yeah, yeah. And um, they they talked about how uh, they they really enjoyed uh, Limp Biscuit's music and that they affectionately called um, Fred Durst Bisky. And then Bisky kind of became a character that I I created uh, who became totally um, totally separate from Fred Durst. But Bisky was he's this guy who um, lives in a water bottle. Um, and he, um, he, uh, just, he's, he's, he's not the smartest guy, but he's, 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 uh, he's a dependable guy, Bisky is. And, um, so we, we kind of created this mythology about Bisky and, uh, his friend, uh, 
what is his name? Howard. Howard. Like Howard Dean. Howard Dean. Yeah. And um, so, uh, yeah, we we just kind of created the story. So our our next album, the uh, culmination of phase one, was um, Bisky's Big Day, which uh, starts off with a cup with uh, some some kind of classic lineup songs, and then ends on a um, uh, a piece called Bisky's Big Day, which is a story about Bisky. And um, uh, woodwind duet at the beginning, right, right, right. Perhaps our things. first. Uh, it was a clarinet recorder duet, several minutes long. Um, and then it, it's back to the electric guitarist. They're plugged in this time, I believe. And uh, yes, I, uh, we did. We split telling the story. Which one of us really relayed Ooh. the story? I believe you. Well, hmm. I think we both kind of laid down some some guidelines, and I yeah. kind of it, it doesn't matter anyway. We we tell the story about Bisky. It's much too long to go into depth here. We really have to move on. But in any case, we're we're both. I think I think we both really f- uh, think highly of this record, and um, this was definitely the end of Phase One. Phase One was kind of. Uh, I think of phase one, I think. Unplugged electric guitar explorations, uh, political non-sequiturs, and uh, kind of tributes and and concepts. Less than just kind of our own organic sound. But then we get into phase two with... With uh, Gaius Frick and Very Boosted. Now, um... Gaius Frick and Very Boosted starts with a track called Gaius Frick and Very Boosted, uh, which is 22 and a half minutes long. It's a sidelong piece. Yes. Um, first time we both played keyboard. Yes. I played Carl's keyboard and he played a synthesizer. Um, and this was our first... This is almost phase one and a half. It, it's very true. Definitely. Because uh, we uh, really got out of our comfort zone with that piece. Mm-hmm. Improvising vocals to keyboard is very different than doing it to, to guitar or, or bass. Um, and we had never done... So it was it was like many uh, little songs, but in one big song. And we had never quite done something like that before. But then, then we go back to our kind of classic duets for... Yeah. What would B side B if we were ever to make ever to make a real record? I I think it might be a little I think it might be a little too long, but I'm I'm not sure. I'd I'd have to recalculate that. Yeah, but th- this is a this is a longer record than instrumentals is for sure. This is about a fifty something minute yeah release. Okay. Um, we could uh, we could do like the residents did and have a little EP of a uh, baby gay or something. Yeah yeah. yeah. Three or four um, songs, just and the the LP comes with that, you know, so we don't have too long of a a side because you know the the grooves get real fucked up and then the uh, the needle will melt if the record is too long. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, um, our, at the beginning of this uh, phase two, we were doing a lot of long pieces. Uh, this is around the time when we did um, our two releases that were only released on SoundCloud, um, I Love Jail, mm-hmm. um, 
And the other one is called... Crump Fiend in Hell. Crump Fiend in Hell, yes. Crump Fiend in Hell is very interesting. I want to talk about that one first because okay. of the, the process or process, if you will, the um, process of how it was made. We recorded it normally and digitally slowed it down. Um, but I believe it's a, at the same pitch. It might not be at the same pitch, but it is about... 30% slower than it was recorded and gives it more of a free-floating ambient feel definitely um so we had Crumpfine in Hell and we also had I Love Jail um these are very abstract records yes uh in fact I believe we made these two to be on a uh each each of them on the side of a cassette, though I'm not sure whether or not that actually came to fruition. I think there was an aborted attempt right. at making that cassette. Uh, somehow there, there was an error, and it ended up dubbing a copy of ABBA's Greatest Hits. I have no idea how that happened. Yeah, it's it's really a mystery uh, how that how that actually happened. And th that happened again the second time we tried to dub it, and we called it the Abba Curse, and we ritually burned a cassette player to try and shake the curse, but uh, we're too afraid to try and dub that again. They may never see release outside of SoundCloud, whereas our other releases may be released someday. Right. We're, we're, very, we're very scared of the Abba Curse, and Abba, if you're hearing this, please stop. Uh, what I didn't realize is maybe we should use an abacus because that sounds sort of like abacus. We right. should maybe burn an abacus. Let's do that after we okay. get done with this. Okay. So um, after those pieces, our next uh, release was another one-hour single called uh, "Jail My Name." Jail my name. Jail my name. And jail my name. This was uh, we're to August of this year, 2012. Much shorter pieces. Much shorter pieces because again, this is a one-hour single. Mm -hmm. um, we we did cheat a little bit. Um, two songs per two songs per side, but it still works out. Um, so we have there. The titles aren't uh, very uh, readable, readable, accessible. Um, very abstract record, but yes. um, one of our one of our champions, early champions, called called the record cohesive and it is in a way yes it's all very similar sounding uh abstraction yes we, um we, i really like this record a lot yeah this is when we really started to delve into um the computer computer this was all recorded digitally using some some uh iphone technology not for recording but for sampling and uh, making sort of synthesizer noises and abstract sounds Ugh. I think that definitely sums up um, phase two um, kind of computer recording abstract sounds mm -hmm. uh, so after Jail My Name um, we uh, released uh, another another uh, Watermark album uh, Less Homo More Songs this is the first record I think where we got pretty drunk and and hit record yeah this is a lot of fun to make uh very very abstract um lots of drunken rambling again not too far removed from some sun city girls recordings or uh or the work of, of avril Lavigne or the aura 
Her aura, definitely. Um, and because uh, again, the work of Avril Lavigne, garbage. The aura of Avril Lavigne is, is, is bliss, um, absolute bliss. But uh, this this album, uh, I, I drop quarters on a snare drum and, and blow a, blow into a malt liquor bottle and uh, impersonate a, a record executive. It's all in good fun. Yeah, it's not to say that it's it's so abstract that there are no songs. There are I definitely think, songs here. I think this is one of our more accessible records. It actually, is. it's very silly, it's, and it's, silly sells. Silly, silly sells. That was. Uh, Actually, the name of my first guitar teacher is from Nashville. His name uh, is Silly Cells. Silly Cells. And he told God me, bless he actually told me that Silly doesn't sell, but I didn't believe him. Yeah. Um, I really I, fucking hated that guy, actually. I mean, uh, you know, songs like Big Acorn Sally sells. Yeah, and uh, so, stop, stop Drinking Off. It's a little campfire number. Yeah. Um, all leading up to Febreze Diaper Snowman. Uh, first song about diapers. Uh, yeah. Now we were very deep in character at that point. Neither Carl and I, neither Carl or I, actually wear, as in wear diapers. Um, but you might think we do from that song. Yeah, it's we're very convincing. We uh, we're real good at what we do. Yeah, <laughs> we are. We're geniuses. Um, so after that, after less homo, more songs. Uh, which is, which, you know, we viewed as, you know, that's, oh, wow, we're, we're, you're, we're doing really great. Came, uh, in September, uh, another album, uh, Ugh, which is yet another watermark. It's, I think I see it as a very logical continuation of Less Summon More Songs. Recorded differently. It was recorded to a uh, four-track cassette tape recorder yes. with a pitch shifter, which we utilized in the tradition of Ween. Yes, um, definitely. On pure, on pure guava. Yes. Uh, pure, pure guava, or pure guava, or... Pure guava. Pure, pure guava. It was on a four-track tape recorder. It was and, on, uh, yes. Um, so, uh, this is a very song-oriented... Definitely, definitely. At least, uh, our little... Residence tribute, Big Frog coming. Big Frog tribute to Big Frog coming. That's, yes, um, it's fantastic. a tribute. It's a tribute to the residence and to Big Frog coming. Big Frog coming. There's a chain of stores or something called Big Frog. And there's a town in Georgia called Coming, and um, this chain of events created the rather unfortunate Twitter handle Big Frog coming, and uh, we decided to take that literally and write a song about it. And uh, Carl does some. Uh, little snake fingery guitar soloing on this track and it's just great uh, I'll never be snake finger but I think I did for a second channel him for the track and I'm, I'm very glad that he decided to to come into my fingers um, some other standouts um, well just as a whole the album the album starts off with uh, some tracks that don't really have pronounceable titles um, we were just kind of we weren't sure where we were going yet um, yeah, it, the album starts off the, the, um, if there were to be a first side, that would be like the first three songs. Those mm -hmm. are very strange. Um, the, the last five are much easier to get into. Yes. Um, yeah, there's a, the, uh, 
side one ends with a track called uh, the longest track, uh, Shamanic Baseball, uh, where we describe the um, Shaman Bible, the, the Shaman Bible, and um, regular attendings of baseball games. Um, they go hand in hand, as you will see if you listen to it. Please listen to it. Yes. Um, yeah, very a very accessible album. Definitely. One of, one of our most... It's a very short record, uh, more condensed than what we've been yes. doing. I think Definitely. there are tracks on Less Home and More Songs that are almost as long as that entire album. Yeah. Um, um, and then our next one. Well, actually, before we discuss that, there's... Um, so we, we played uh, live a little bit. Mm-hmm. We played a couple live shows um, at a uh, venue called uh, Rubar... Uh, um, um, rubber gloves, uh, rehearsal studios, and uh, we uh, we played at open mic night a couple times, and uh, they were very nice to us there. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't they don't they, actively boo. That's they that's uh, they don't um, make me stand in a toilet like the venues I used to play in. Yeah, that's. That's. I think that's a that's a big one. I don't like it gets your feet wet with toilet water. I don't like it. Um, and then <laughs> we're nearing the end of phase two. We we are. Um, we we recorded a uh, a small thing before uh, before something. I don't remember. Uh, called something about Shack, uh, which was another definitely representative of phase two. Uh, three three pieces that. At least we're all over seven minutes. And, um... Reflects our obsession with post-grunge and BDSM in a song called Dungeon Master Chris Chris Cornell. Cornell. Yes. Um, But something about Shaq ended up getting absorbed into our... uh, Our opus, Please Gucci. Which we will, uh... Which... Do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to talk it's, about it? The chronology gets a little murky here, because Please Gucci, we actually began recording back in 2011, I think. The, the Songsmith mm. songs. Those, those, I believe, were early 2012. Something around then, but we, we recorded it really before the archival, well before the archival releases had been... Not recorded, but released. Um, yeah, it was around the time of the archival. Yeah, and uh, the the Songsmith songs we had, we thought they were going to be a mini album. Uh, Microsoft Songsmith is a fantastic program that allows you to sing, and it'll give you some canned music to it. Uh, there's silly covers of songs on YouTube where they've they've isolated the vocals and they uh, play little Songsmith tunes to them. But we didn't do anything like that, um, and so we we had this. Songsmith release and something about Shaq and we decided to make a 24 hour album called Please Gucci um, because we it's a request to Gucci Mane to please listen to our album and that we uh, sort of overestimated our creative capacity the album's only a little over 6 hours um, and it took us a long long time to finish but um, it uh, I don't know if we'll release this first podcast before we release Please Gucci, um, but uh, we definitely, we released an album 
just a few days ago called Anthony Kiedis told me I have a beautiful handshake, which is really the last Phase 2 recording, but Please Gucci is going to come after that release, and Please Gucci really marks where Phase 2 ends. We wanted a clean break from Phase 2, because after a six-hour reflection on that phase, where can we possibly go? Exactly. So, um, that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. Um, this, this podcast is, uh, the beginning of phase three. Um, but, uh, did you want to talk about Anthony Kiedis? Told me uh, how beautiful they can listen to it. Right. It's, 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 I haven't had enough time to digest it. It's a very, very recent release and, uh, about as accessible as, as UGG. And it really, some of it, I will say some of it kind of goes back to the days of the album. There's some guitar and drum jams that, uh, there's one called Jeff Corwin that I'm particularly fond of. Um, I like Jeff Corwin and I like this song. Uh, but this podcast is obviously a clean break from, I mean, the, the, this podcast, uh, this is as historic, I mean, this is a historical, um, podcast because we're talking about the band. This is as backward looking as we're ever going to get with this. It's all about all about the future yes. from here on out. Right. Um, we just took this first episode to kind of give you... Like, here's where we've been, yeah. and then after and, this, here's where we're going to go. It's it's really a lot like our album Gay as Frick and Very Boosted. It was the beginning of Phase 2, but to get right. into Phase 2, we had to... You know, kind of slowly, wa- the past. we had to walk out of that water of uh, phase one. We had to, we had to dry it off, but we still got you know some some droplets on our body, and that's that's what this first episode of the podcast is all about. Well, anyway, I uh, I hope you people enjoyed this podcast. This is a this is about as long as any episode of What the Fuck with Mark Marin that I've ever listened to. So, and that that's kind of the that's a good podcast. It's the only podcast I've ever listened to. Um, I, um, I don't know what fuck is. Uh, ficken. Right. Right. So, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be back next time and we'll, uh... Is this thing still 